week we began a, a series called What Does God's Word Say About? And we're exploring many different topics. And today our topic is stress. Now stress, how many people here think that they're stressed out? Okay, pretty much everyone. Well, good. And that, that's, that's partly because we have so many choices to make. And we get inundated with information. And let me just give you some numbers. This is just overwhelming. Did you know that there's 125 different kinds of yogurt? Did you know that? And when you go to the grocery store, you've got to choose which kind of yogurt you want. There's 250 kinds of toothpaste in all different forms, shapes, and sizes. In the average grocery store, there's over 30,000 products. And all of that, piled on top of one another, of the decisions that we have to make, adds stress in our life. So I've got a stress test here for you. And there's 10 questions. And answer yes or no. And uh, keep track of whether there you how many yeses you have. Just remember the yeses. You can forget about the noes. So here's the first one. Do you frequently try to do everything yourself? Yes or no? Okay. The next one is this. Are you easily irritated? Yes or no? Okay. Mary says sometimes. Just yes or no. The third one. Do you fail to see humor in situations that others find funny? Yes or no? The next one, the fourth one. Do you often complain that you are disorganized? Yes or no? Okay. Do you keep everything inside? Yes or no? Do you frequently get too little rest? I can tell by the look on the faces that there's quite a few yeses. I can. Okay. Number seven. Is procrastination a way of life for you? Number eight, do you regularly think there is only one right way to do something? Yes or no? Number nine, do you spend a lot of time complaining about the past? Yes or no? And number 10, do you feel unable to cope with all you have to do? Yes or no? All right, so now we're going to score. There's no pass or fail on these tests that I ever do, okay? We're just going to put you into some categories. So if you scored three, less than three yeses, you're relaxed in life. This message is not for you, okay? <laughs> you can go home. Okay, nobody's leaving? Okay. <laughs> All right, now if you're in the category of four to six yeses, okay, you're under pressure. And you really need to evaluate your priorities, all right? Because this is what this is the reality of where you're at. If you don't change, you're headed for a big crash and burn, all right? Now, if you happen to score eight, nine, or ten out of ten, you're already on stress overload, and you are any day ready to crash and burn. And for many of us, I think we're pretty close to that level. And here's, here's some signs. Here's some physical signs. I got this off a medical website. Some medical signs where you're in stress overload. You've got anxiety or panic attacks on a regular basis. A feeling of being constantly pressured, harassed, and hurried. Irritable and moodiness. 
physical symptoms such as stomach problems, headaches, and even chest pain, allergic reactions, asthma, sleeping problems, drinking too much, smoking, overeating, doing drugs, sadness, and depression. That's stress overload. Now, there is a good side to stress. There is a good side to stress. I'm going to talk about that because I have to give the balance. You see, there is a medical side to stress. Your body produces, through the adrenaline glands, adrenaline, and releases them into the bloodstream. Okay, that's what's called medically a stress response. So if I'm trying to dodge traffic on the road, on Mill Street in Angus, my adrenaline starts to pump so that I can get around the traffic, all right? Because there's fear and there's flight. And what happens is, is our blood vessels open wider to let more blood flow to larger muscle groups, putting our muscles on alert. Our pupils become dilated to improve our vision, and the liver releases some of our stored glucose to increase the body's energy. That is good stress. Every one of you here has those glands inside of you that are working, and they're doing those things. And that is what's called the stress response. Now, all of these physical changes prepare you and I to deal with situations that we come into. Now, the problem becomes, when stress becomes a problem medically, is when those things don't get shut off. See, the body, after it releases those things, is supposed to counterbalance and bring them back into balance. And sometimes what happens is that we get caught in this cycle where our physical body is always, always in a stress response place. And so those things that I listed are not necessarily you. They're a physical makeup in you because your chemical imbalance in your body. And that one is so easy to fix. All you got to do is call your doctor and go in for blood work, and they'll do the blood tests, and they'll give you some medicine. Now, here's the problem that we have in the church right now. Because a lot of times we start talking about stress. This is what, this is what people say. You just don't have enough faith, okay? You're just not believing God enough for that thing. You've got a problem not being able to let go. Too much in control when it is really just a physical problem. Now, Don, you wear glasses. Do you wear glasses for uh, driving? No. Who here wears glasses for driving? Okay, Ken, you wear glasses for driving. Now, I really want you to drive safely, okay? Now, if you took your glasses off on the way home from church, would you might get into an accident? It's possible, okay. Now, telling someone who has a medical imbalance not to take medication is like telling Ken to take off his glasses and go drive on the 400. Okay? We would, exactly, craziness, right? We would never tell someone who has an eye correction problem to take off their glasses and go driving, right? So why do we in the church tell people when they've got stress overload and it is a medical condition to just kind of suck it up and get more faith in God. Well, it, it, the reason why is just because we're being religious and we're really not getting to the root of the problem. So that's the medical. That's the medical side 
of the whole stress issue. Now, there's another side, two sides actually, two more sides to uh, stress. And we're going to talk, those are the ones that I want to talk about. And what does God's word say, how to handle it? Now, God's word also says that if, you know, you're sick and you go to the doctor, you know, God can use the doctor to heal you medically. It can happen that way. Now, stress is brought on by two things if it's not medical. The first one is this, circumstances that you and I can't control. Like the deer comes out and hits my van. Like my friend dies. I have no control over their situation, but I, the only thing I have control over is how I respond to them. The other thing is things that I actually take on myself. Am I taking things on to make the situation stressful? Those are what you have to ask. So how do I, how do I identify stress in my life? We want to talk about that for a second. So identifying, this is what stress is. Stress is a disturbed state of mind produced by real or imaginary fears. That's what stress is. So if it's not medical, and there's no chemical imbalance, then stress is a disturbed state of mind caused by real or imaginary fears. So if I'm going to identify what stress is in my life and pinpoint it so that I can deal with it, because I want to give you tools today to help you deal with your stress. Because we've already realized that all of us here are under some form of stress. So the first one is this. Why is my mind so disturbed? Why is it so disturbed? What is the thing that is causing my mind to be disturbed? Is it physical? Is it a situation I have no control over? Am I taking things on? Now, once I've identified that, I need to ask the question, why am I so easily shaken? And the third one is, are my fears really real or are they imaginary? Because if my fears are real, and actually only 95% of your fears are actually real, only 3% of the fears that you face on a daily basis are real, then how am I going to respond to the stress? What am I going to do to handle the stress? Because we think stress is a 21st century problem. We do. But it's not. Stress has been around since the beginning of time. Jesus, the mother of Jesus was stressed out when her 12-year-old boy took off for two days. The people of Israel were stressed out when they were under siege by the Philippians or by the Philistines. This has been going on for centuries, for thousands of years. And in God's word, there's a response for us to handle our stresses. So what do I do when I find stress in my life? Well, I've got some things we're going to go through. How do I handle stress? The first one is this. I build deeper relationships. I build deeper relationships. Now, I know what you're thinking, because I've thought this too. You're going to tell me. That in my busy work week, in the busy schedule that I'm in, that I have to go and build a deeper relationship with somebody? I don't have time for that. That's what I would say. But yet in God's word, in Philippians, please turn there. In Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7, it says this. 
Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Do not be anxious about anything. Don't be stressed out about anything. But with prayer and supplication, make your request be made known to God. And a lot of times, when we get stressed out, the last thing that we want to do is spend more quiet time with God. Right? I've been there. I wake up in the morning and I've got so many things to do on my to-do list because I'm running my own business. But yet if I don't take time to spend time with God and in prayer, I get so anxious. I get overburdened by the things that I'm doing. See, prayer is just talking to God, opening up your heart and sharing that. He wants to listen. And the very fact that you are talking to God about your problems, about the things that you're anxious about, He's going to listen. And our problem is that we want Him to respond right away. Solve my problem. Take away my stress. But the very fact that He is listening takes away the anxiety that we feel because it's giving away the burden of our situation to someone else. Now the other the other side of building a deeper relationship is building a deeper relationship with the person sitting next to you. Maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's a good friend that you can talk to. There's another side of relieving stress. And that is my relationship with others. Turn to Psalm 133. I want to show you a passage So Psalm 133, verses 1 to 3. It says this, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It's like the precious oil on the beard running down on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon which falls on the mount, mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing of life forevermore. Did you catch that? In first verse it says, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. That's where the blessing is. Dwelling together in unity. Having a relationship with brothers and sisters. Having deep fellowship. Not surfacy relationships, but really Caring relationships that are about community. Not about, oh, hi, how are you? How was your week? No. What is God doing in your life? And how can I pray for you? And that happens in small groups. It doesn't happen here on Sunday morning. There's no way that those things can happen on Sunday morning. Our culture today is extremely mobile. And our mobile culture causes us to be stressed out because we don't have time for relationship. We don't have time to sit around and talk with this whole weekend. My wife has been busy. She's been away. I've been away. It was only this last at like 8 o'clock. Did we ever get to spend time together? I saw it last time. It feels like the last time I saw her was Thursday night. But it's the way our world is today. And if we don't make time for relationships, our stressful activities are just going to go up and up and up and up. Let me read you this quote by Dr. Richard Sweetson. 
who writes this, studies consistently reveal a link between nurturing friendships and personal well-being. If I am hurting, I go to a caring friend who is empathetic and in itself is therapeutic. Researchers have studied what is called the disclosure effect. If I have a frustration inside and am able to reveal my heart to a safe friend, simply disclosing the problem will improve my well-being in a measurable way. It is not necessary for my friend to fix the problem. All he or she has to do is listen. That's what happens when we pray. That's what happens when we spend time in relationship with people. And all of a sudden, the stresses of our life are gone. They're not there. But yet, the enemy, the world, wants to keep us so fragmented that we don't have time for relationships. And building a deeper relationship is the first thing with God and with others that's going to relieve the stress in my life. That's the thing. And we get a hold of that truth and we want God to work that in us, all of a sudden the stress and the anxiety of our life begins to disappear. Because the things that used to bother us don't bother us anymore because we're giving them to God. We're giving them to Him. And He takes them. But it can't happen if I'm not in that relationship with God or if I'm not in that relationship with a person that whom I love and care about. And I know that they care about me. Don has the amazing opportunity right now because he's retired to come and visit me on a regular basis. This week we spent four hours together and all we did was share burdens of one another. Relationship. And I know after the two of us left, the burden that both of us came into the room with was gone. Amen? Amen. It's about relationship. It's about helping others carry the load that they're carrying. All right. The second one is this. I search out a God perspective. Now, turn to Psalm 3. I want to just take a minute and give you the context of Psalm 3. Psalm 3 was written by David when he fled from Absalom, his son. So who's Absalom? Well, Absalom was his son who when he got to a certain age, he wanted to take the kingdom for himself. And he stood in the gate and he tried to persuade all the people of Israel and turn their hearts to him. And he was successful in doing that. He was so successful that the people of Israel crowned him as their new king instead of David, who was his father. So that would be like my son wanting to do something or maybe take my business away from me. My own flesh and blood. Do you think that was a stressful situation? Uh-huh. Because it says in Psalm 3 that David is complaining. In verse 1 it says, O Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there's no salvation for him and God. Everybody is against him. Do you think it's stressful? Oh yeah, big time. Then we're talking about the kingdom, a kingdom, a monarchy. His guards and all the people that were faithful to him were splitting and he alone was left. Stressful situation. But he goes on in verse 3. And this is what he says. He says, But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, 
and he answered me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. Hello? That doesn't sound like a stressful day to me. Because I know when I have a stress day, I don't sleep at night. I woke again for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. How come David can find peace in, a, in the midst of an anxious, stressful situation? Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be upon your people. Do you think that blessing was just for David? Do you think that David had some kind of key into God's understanding that we don't have today? He didn't. But in the midst of that stressful situation, he got a God perspective. Who put him on the throne in the first place? God did. Who was going to deliver him from his own son, his own flesh and blood? God did. Now, this didn't happen in the same amount of time that I read the text in. This was a process that was over a couple of days. He had to search out this perspective. He just didn't, oh, my son's ready to take the kingdom from me. Oh, well, I'm just going to sleep good tonight. It wasn't like that. He had to diligently seek it out. He had to look for it. Search it out. See, God provides strength when we actually go and seek Him. He's our protector, our deliverer, our sustainer. Because He just cares. Now the huge question that, ra that is raised with that is, do we really trust God? Do we really trust the fact that God does care? That His perspective is the right perspective? Because the thing that cuts away at our fears is trust. If my fears are real or imaginary, who am I really trusting? Am I trusting my fears or what God says about me? Trust is to be reliant on someone or thing to put my confidence in something. Where's my confidence? Where's my confidence? I had to ask myself the question, you know, would I be better off if I put my trust in God like David did? Would I? Or would I be worse off? The answer to that question is you'll be better off if you put your trust in God. Hands down. All the time. And we wrestle with that. Because putting our trust in someone, in something, that maybe we see as some guy far off in the other side of the heavens, not real with us today, is a hard thing to do. But that's where the rubber meets the road in our faith. And those are the things that cause us to be caught up in the stressful situations that are disturbing our minds by real or imaginary fears. And some of us, 
don't have those encounters with God that we can rely upon. Let me t- read this story to you. This is uh, Sophia Ironside. Now, Sophia Ironside, you'll know, not even I didn't know, even know who Sophia Ironside was. No big deal, you know, just another person. But she was a woman who believed God for the impossible. Let me read the story. I'll set the background. Um, so she, she had a husband, John, who at age 27, they had three kids. And he died because of the typhoid fever. And they lived in, uh, I believe it is Chicago. Yes, Chicago. And uh, they had nothing. This is back in the ni- early 1900s, late 1800s. One of the boys, Harry, watched his mother closely. On one occasion, he recalled company coming for supper. Sophia's cupboard was nearly bare, but she scraped together a meal with the little that remained. After the visitors left, she found under one of the plates a $10 bill, a vast sum of money in those days. With eyes full of tears, she offered thanks to God. You think she was under stressful circumstances? Oh, yeah. Listen, listen. Sometime later, the cupboard was again empty. Sophia gathered her two sons to the table for breakfast, put their plates were empty and there was only water to drink we will give thanks boys she said closing her eyes she prayed quoting isaiah 33 16 father thou hast promised in thy word your bread shall be given to you and your water shall be sure we have water and we thank you for it and now we trust for bread or for that which will take its place just as she finished praying the doorbell rang and the boys ran to the door to find a man there Mrs. Ironside, he said, I feel very bad. We've been owing you for months for that dress you made for my wife. We've had no money to pay you. But just now we're harvesting our potatoes and we wondered if you would take a bushel or two on account of the old bill. Indeed, I'd be glad to, she replied. In a few minutes, the potatoes were sizzling in the frying pan and the boys had answered their prayer for breakfast. This lady, these are just two stories of this lady. This lady's faith and her trust in God to provide through times of stress were huge and it allowed her to have that faith and that fortitude to continue to press on even though there's nothing on the plate those are real people those are people just like you and me people that are stressed out in the situations of their life and they become reliant upon god in those situations now the last the last point that i want to make about stress is this I prepare a controlled response I prepare a controlled response now stress is as I said is one of those things that sometimes we just can't control the situation that we're found we find ourselves in other times we take things on because we've got this spirit of importance that I'm so busy and I need to be busy to get any kind of self-worth in my life but yet one of the fruit of the spirits is self-control. Galatians 5:22 and 23 talks about that. I'm not going to turn there because we're getting short on time, but you can look that up in your own time. The last one in the list is self-control. Now, self-control, when it comes to stress, we don't really think about it, even anything. We think about love, joy, peace, and all kinds of things. But self-control is a totally different thing why is self-control well who's in control of your mind if stress is a disturbed state of mind 
by real or imaginary fears. Who's in control of my mind? Am I? Is God? See, stress sets our mind at unrest. And the way that we get out of how we prepare a controlled response is get a plan to get out. I have a much better sleep at night when I have a plan to overcome some kind of stressful situation that I'm in. It's much easier to get to sleep. When I was in business for myself and it was coming to the end of the month and there was just not enough money in the bank, I had to come up with something to make sure that the mortgage was paid. But if I didn't have a plan to do that, it wasn't going to happen. And guess what? I didn't sleep. But if I had a plan to make it happen, it did happen. And the money was there. So let me give you some tips, some six things to help you get a controlled response in your life. So the things in your life don't cause you to have a disturbed mind. The first one is this. Know your limit. Know your limit of when you're getting stressed out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get really personal here for a minute, okay? I'm going to tell you what my limit is when I start getting stressed out. So if you see me doing some of these things, you can say, hey, Chris, if you're getting stressed out, you've got you to gotta take a step back. The first one is this. This is my first level. You'll see me do that. I do that on a regular basis. When I'm stressed out, I just do this. And the more I do it, the more often I do it, you recognize that I'm more stressed. Now the next one, so if you've seen me do that, then it stops. Okay, now we've moved up to the next level for Chris. The next level is my eyes are bloodshot. Not a big deal, but if you see me doing this, then my eyes are bloodshot, you know, okay, he's stressed. Now the last level where I'm, I got I to gotta shut everything down is my left eye twitches. So it'll go like this. Now you, So if you see me going... My eyes are bloodshot and my left eye is twitching. You know that Chris is past his limit. All right? But I know that about myself because I've been in those places where I'm so stressed out. And I've learned how my body responds to that. So when I get to that place where my left eye is twitching, I'm like, I need some time alone. i got to go and do something to recuperate. So know your limit. That's the first thing. The next one is this. Build margin into your life. Margin means that I just take some downtime. I don't fill my space so full of stuff to do that I have no time left for margin. What does margin look like in our day today? Well, I have an appointment at 1 o'clock. I have an appointment at 2 o'clock. But by the time I get to 3 o'clock, I'm already behind. And I have another appointment at 3. And uh-oh, uh-oh, I'm now behind time. But if I build margin into my life, there's space there. There's a cushion for things to happen. And guess what? I don't get stressed out because I have that margin there. All right, the third one. The third one is this. Set boundaries for yourself and the kids. And the kids. Kids don't have to be in every single sporting event that there is. I don't have to go and do everything that I need to do. My grandfather used to say, what doesn't get done tomorrow will be on tomorrow's to-do list. And what doesn't get done tomorrow will be on the next day's to-do list. You don't have to do everything today. You don't have to do everything. Set boundaries for yourself. The fourth one is this. Stay away from negative people. 
Just stay away from them. They're stressed out. They got their own problems. They're complaining. Stay away from them. Get to the place where you're not around negative people that you can share your story, your stressful things. The third one is, or the fifth one is this. Build stress relievers into your life. Build them. Make it into a routine. Actually, that's the sixth one. Build, make a routine in your life. Some kind of stress relievers. We've talked about them last week. We talked about them today again. Exercise. Laughter. Quiet time. All of the things. Sleep. Exercise. Worship music. That's a stress reliever. Music is one of the most powerful tools to relieve stress in your life. Builds those kind of stress relievers into your life. And the last one is maintain a routine. If I have a routine in my life, and I build margin into my life, and I build stress relievers into my life, guess what? I'm in control of the situations. I decide what I take on, and I don't let stress give me a disturbed state of mind. Now, here's the challenge. Without any question, I know, without a shadow of a doubt, Thank you. 